This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Friday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Coming off the bench tonight for this Deep Dives edition from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Hey, man. Happy to uh, come out and, and support. This should be a fun episode. Some A new face, at least for me. So this will be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, speaking of which, uh, coming off the bench as well, he is from Syracuse, New York, Mark Rollins. Mark, how are you? Gentlemen, great to be back. Yes, Charlie, I'm looking forward to working with you. Uh, You seem like a fun guy based on our little pre-show chat there, Uh, so I'm looking (laughs) forward to this. Absolutely. Same here, man. Welcome. Thank you. This is Mark's, I think, third time, and he's had a different co-host uh, every time. So mm-hmm. I guess we got to get him on here with Job, and he'll uh, have uh, run the full gauntlet of bastards hosts. But uh, it's good to have Mark. So typically, this would be the same as the midweek crew, but I had my snafu uh, yesterday, which caused a major delay. If you want to know exactly what that is, it's in the intro of uh, yesterday's show. So check that out, which was a good show, by the way. Lots of Jaron Duran talk and all that. So what we are going to do for this episode, and uh, I guess you can call it the first official trade deadline primer episode that's you know specifically dedicated to that. Um, we're going to go through a lot of topics. We're each going to pick a just one candidate each that we would like the Red Sox to target. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about the rest of the division and what they might be targeting as every one of us tries to get a leg up on the other. So, Mark, you're the guest. So what, let's put you in the leadoff spot tonight. Who's uh, Who's one guy you would like to see the Red Sox hone in on? Yeah, a guy I've got in mind is a little bit of a homecoming. Uh, last time he was in a Red Sox uniform, he couldn't throw a strike to save his life, was out of the game for a number of years. Daniel Bard. Like the that. Red Sox need bullpen help like I need air to breathe. 
Um, and Bard's been having a really good season in Colorado ever since he came back a couple years ago. He's had a really nice bounce back. Those yips are clearly gone. He still throws so hard. I was watching a Rockies game like a week ago and Bard came in. And I was like, this guy's still throwing 99 miles an hour. He was out of the game for a number of years. I know I know the name might cause some pause for Red Sox fans, but just give me anyone that we can put in the bullpen that I would feel a little safer than 90% of the guys that go out there every night. So I think Daniel Bard would be a great fit to come back to Boston. Terry, um, I don't think I could ever disagree with you more when you said I like it because I absolutely love it. I am so excited to hear that man's name when he unfortunately kind of fell apart and it was Real disappointing because at one point I thought that Daniel Bard was the best hold guy in the eighth inning in baseball. Very few guys could have done what he did over a decade ago. This is back when, you know, I know, Mark, you're a younger guy. This is when you were really young. But Daniel Bard was an absolute stud out Mm -hmm. of the pen. And I think putting him into that spot where he was forced to become a starter, he wanted to become a starter, absolutely broke the man. It did not work. The project failed. He had a sub two ERA back in 20, uh, 2010, 2011. It was one of those years because I think he, it was he's, 11. Yeah. All right. So 2011, the following year fell apart, was a starter, converted starter. It did not, it, it, it just, it completely fell apart. His ERA was over five or six. It was just disgusting. And then he disappeared for seven years like, just did not come to play anymore. When I heard his name being echoed in Colorado, It's a guy who you couldn't hate. It's a guy you could only support and you had to cheer for him regardless of what team you were playing for or what team you were uh, supporting. He is one of the only guys now having had waited seven years to come back in. I don't know any other pitcher in major league baseball currently that did not pitch for seven years and came back and not only crushed his role, set the standard because he, as you mentioned, Mark, one of the best closers in baseball. He's got 14 saves this year. Um, I have him in my other fantasy league, so I know 14 is the correct number. His ERA is like around two. Um, he's has hasn't been perfect. He, you know, mm-hmm. he has blown a couple, but what a great Cinderella story. I mean, so fun to have him back. He's averaging over a strikeout per inning. He's won a couple games this year. I couldn't be more happy for him. And if he ends up donning a Red Sox uniform once more, even if it's just for another year before two years before he retires, it'll be like Joe Kelly coming back to Boston. It would be magical. It'd be Disney at Fenway Park. I absolutely love that pick. Everyone loves a good comeback story. And as you guys have pointed out, it's it's sentimental. It, It tugs on the heartstrings. I I'd be skeptical. I'd be worried about some flashbacks, but as long as the haul that we're sending to Colorado isn't massive, I, I guess I, I would probably be before it. Um, you go back to 2011, the collapse here. There were a number of reasons for that, but one of them was Daniel Bard in the month of September blew three uh, holds in the eighth inning. And um, so that, that was certainly a big part of it, but you had guys like Beckett and Lackey apparently, uh, you know, being very unethical in the clubhouse. 
And uh, so there, there were lots of reasons, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. And I, I think if we polled our Twitter followers, at least 50% of them would would want the bullpen to be the number one area of, uh, of um, you know, interest. Go ahead, Charlie. What's, what's amazing about it is that Bard's making a little over $4 million this year. He's a free agent next year. Mm-hmm. So what you're going to have to give up, I, I mean, minimal. how much of a pa- – exactly. It's a small yep. package. So you get him at the deadline, you're taking up a couple million, um, depending on what kind of prospect back that Colorado requests or we give them. We're either sucking up all of that, or maybe it's just a million bucks. Maybe it's a break even. You get a really nice prospect. We don't pay a dollar. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Whatever, whatever the, the trade off is going to be, you can't go wrong by adding Bard. You have John Schreiber, who's doing great. You got Diekman. You got Strom. You had Bard in that mix. Forget about getting Matt Barnes back. You have uh, how closing? And potentially Sale coming back to the rotation and Whitlock coming back to the bullpen. Oh my God. All of a sudden, this isn't a 500 ball club. This is something that could continue. It can carry on. You get barred, you've answered your relief questions. Because I don't think that Schreiber, Strom are going to fall apart right now. I think Schreiber is going to continue to do what he's doing. I know Job was really, really high on him. He wanted to be the closer. I don't. I don't want him to be the closer. I want Hauk to continue to do what he's doing. Because when Hauk closes out games, I go to sleep really well at night. And I wake up and I see a dub next to the name of the Red Sox. It's really, really nice. When Bard's coming back, you have potential dual closers. Or Bard goes into the ninth inning, eighth inning. Schreiber does some, some more intense pitching, maybe in the sixth or seventh and a broken inning where runners are in scoring position. I don't know how Schreiber does in relation to letting uh, inherited runners score. It can't possibly be worse than Sawamura. Sa- so I think adding Bard right now can only be a good thing. I don't know how anybody, any of our followers can say, I don't want him, he's too old. You'd be an idiot. It's just the yips that that concern me. But I would do it. I disagree, though. I, I don't think it would be a, a light package, though. I mean, you look at the, the, the Yankees trade of, of Chapman to the Cubs, and I know that was a little while ago, and it's a different world now. But, you know, the Yankees got Glaber Torres in that and, uh, you know, a couple other pieces. And so I think it will be a little bit. I mean, it would be at least probably a top 10 or 12 guy like we gave up for Schwarber last year, I think. So, um, yeah, so I, I like it and it, it would make waves and it would be a, a feel good story. What One final question on that before we, we uh, get to Charlie's. Say hypothetically, we get Daniel Bard. Mm-hmm. Sure. Does he go to the eighth inning or does he go to the ninth inning? Like, he still goes to the eighth inning because I, I, I feel like you put him in the ninth to start. I, think I feel he, like he's doing such a good job in co- closing games in Colorado that you got to give him at least a chance to earn that closer's job. Tanner Houck, as, as great as it is to see him come out of the bullpen, I want nothing more than him in the rotation. He's right handed Chris Sale. I just I think it makes so much sense for him to be a starter. I know he's doing a great job closing games, but I just it it seems to me like he's never gotten the fair shake he deserves. He had a perfect game last year through five innings with like fifty eight pitches, and Cora was like, "No, nah. like it's just he, he never gets the out. yeah he he never gets the fair shake to be a starter. 
throw him in the rotation the entire year and see what he can do. I think he could be super valuable there. I've been adamant about doing that. I've been saying that I want him in the rotation. I think I'm one of the only ones who have, who's been saying it for a couple of years. The Red Sox, unfortunately, are known for giving long leashes to certain players and cutting some of them off way too early, and it's mm-hmm. it's bitten us in the you-know-what. I don't need to go there. Um, putting Bard back into the ninth right now, removing a system that's already working. If it is not broken, I do not want to fix it. Because right now, we are winning games. We're playing 700 baseball over our last 30. Hold on. Let me look at it. 34 games. We're playing 735 baseball. And with all of that being said, after today, because the Yankees just won a couple moments ago, 7-6 to six off of a judge RBI single in the ninth inning, <sighs> with 25 wins and 9 losses, we have matched the New York Yankees over our last 34 games. We have gained no ground on the Yankees in 34, and we have lost less than 10 games. If it is not broken, do not fix it. The offense is starting to come together. We're getting some amazing production out of pieces that we didn't think we were expecting. Rob Reef Snyder, for example, didn't think he was going to hit a home run. He'd only had six career home runs before the season. <laughs> two with the Yankees, uh, two with... Oh, God, was it Tampa Bay? And I forget who the other team was. The Angels, I think. Maybe it was the Angels. Angels. I can't remember. But he. this is a This is a career, like, almost, you know, a la Lou Merloni. This is a guy who's never had crazy numbers, but he's he's better than Lou right now. This guy's incredible for what we thought we were getting. What a find. Fantastic. You know, Trevor Story's going yard on a, regu- a more regular basis than the whole first month of the season. If Chris Sale comes back and he can't do it and he can't hack it, then I'm even more okay with how going into the starting rotation and keeping sale into the, you know, in the bullpen. But I, I really, if, if we're making a push for Bard right now, I really want to see him assume a seventh, eighth spot role because to have him jump over some of those other guys right now, I think could be a slap and Tanner Houck might take it as a slap too, unless he automatically goes back to the rotation. That's just me. I just feel like you, you don't want to mess with Bard's mindset. If that's what he's been programmed to do the last few years, that's really where I would put him. And he's tenured as far as the league. And I I don't think Tanner Houck would put up a, a big fuss about it. I, I think he knows he's a, a critical guy and one that we have to have to, um, you know, to – make the wild card and hopefully go deep in October. I, I think Hauk is going to be a p- big part of that. And I'll also agree that with you guys, I wouldn't mind seeing him start again either. I absolutely wouldn't mind that. I was just wondering, and I, I just pulled the report up right now. I'm like, a lot of people want Whitlock to go back to the pen. And I was just thinking with this three week stint on the injured list, that would be a good opportunity to probably move him back because you got to mm-hmm. stretch him out a little bit again to get him starting. And, um, but it, it looks like that's the plan. He's going right back to the rotation, uh, per, uh, a report by the athletics. So, um, so yeah. All right, Charlie, go ahead. Who's the one candidate you would like to see the Red Sox make a play for? Don't you dare say the one that I'm going to say. So uh, I'm not going to say the one that Terry's going to say, but I also didn't say anything before, and you didn't mention my guy. But since we're talking about sentimentality, I want to talk about someone that 
has been rumored. We've talked about him. He's a first baseman outfielder flex. And if you say something inappropriate, you know I'm going to yell at you through the mic. Trey Mancini. I don't know if anybody's going to say Mancini. Were you? No. But I've advocated for that. Over the winter, I was like, oh, I'd like to see it. I I, I really like Mancini, and here's why. Trey Mancini's making $7.5 this year. He's a free agent next year. Guy's 30 years old. I'm not sure what it's going to take for Baltimore to keep him. I don't think he he will end up playing his career in Baltimore. This is a guy who um, is originally from Florida, loves hitting at Fenway Park. What do I mean by that? He's hitting, I believe, 360 career or 338 career at Fenway Park in 39 games, five homers, 30 runs knocked in. In games that he has played 30 games or more, Boston is still the best stadium that he's performed at. Over Baltimore, granted, he's played his entire career there. Over Toronto, over New York, over Tampa. I would love to see someone's bat like that in the lineup. He brings character. He brings, uh, I think, a little bit of flair. He can play both first base and he can play the outfield. I would love to see somebody like that come and play in Boston. Give this man a chance to win a ring. It's not going to happen as long as he's playing in Baltimore. I'm sorry, but this may be one of his only opportunities. Your peak years are 28 to 30. He's had a little bit of a slow season, only seven bombs. He's hitting almost 290, which is just a shade under his career high. But I still think he's heating up now. He's going to get it done, giving him an opportunity, making a trade for somebody like that, a corner outfielder, flex, who can also play first base. Sign me up. I would love to get Mancini in here. Mark, thoughts on Trey Mancini? I like it. I I really like Trey Mancini. Obviously, the talk about a comeback story. And we talked about Daniel Bard, but what Trey Mancini went through and then came back and to see him just play it all again after what he went through, it was amazing. Um, I don't know if I love the fit. Just because the Red Sox, because you said he's a free agent after next year, correct? No, this is. Oh, this year? Yeah. This year he's a free agent. He's got the, okay. uh, the buyout for like quarter mil or 350000 okay. something like that. As a rental, I like him better. I thought you said he was a free agent after next season. I'm just, there might be such a log jam at first base. And Trey Mancini at this point in his career really isn't much of an outfielder. You can throw him out there and he'll be okay, I guess. I don't know if I want him playing balls off the monster. I certainly don't want him in right field at Fenway Park um, because of how massive it is. So I don't know if I love him in the outfield. Then you've got the whole first base DH, what really could be just an, you know, you could have five guys wanting to play the same two positions going down the stretch. I love the player. I love the story. I don't know how much I love the fit. I love the fit, to be honest with you, because first base and corner outfield, those are your areas of need, depending on how you feel about Bradley. And we're not, for the most part, outside of, I think, Andrew, uh, a Jackie Bradley (laughs) crew. I will never slander JBJ. Oh, I I won't do it. He's one of those, Charlie. Not tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) He's a JVJ guy. 
Um, but I just, I think it's a good fit because you can plug him into one of those areas. Uh, ideally, I think left field over right for sure. But um, if he were being traded, it's probably not inconceivable that either Franchi or Dahlbeck would be a part of that trade. So you're, you might kind of clear out the logjam a little bit. We mentioned on the last show that it's going to be quite some time before you see Tristan Casas at Fenway due to his injury. You know, he's got to fully recover from that. He's not doing, you know, anything strenuous right now, not even close to game action. So um, we'll, we'll see if he can get healthy enough to go back to Worcester, get ramped up, and then perhaps be an August or September call up. But I've liked Trey Mancini. I was hoping we'd get him last year at the deadline, and I thought, well, maybe this winter, maybe they'll make a play. Hasn't happened, but he's an extremely likable guy. I mean, where do you put where do you put Trey Mancini in this lineup? He arrives tomorrow. Where do you put him? Sixth. So where, I was going to say, yeah, where I was going to say sixth. Go? Story could bump up at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm i curious to see what would happen with Trevor Story if we slotted him into the two-hole. Um, he's had some experience batting there. When he was mm-hmm. in Colorado, he spent time originally as bottom, and then he moved to either first, second, before slotting into third, right before um, they moved Arenado to St. Louis, and then it was Trevor's team. So I, I think that Trevor can play... And, and bat anywhere. I'd love to see him in the two spot. I mean, he's he's got wheels, so mm-hmm. you have you have the opportunity to if if he can get on base quickly, that'd be awesome. I would love that. I just Devers is flirting with uh, probably a top two MVP slot. I, I don't know if he'll uh, overtake Judge, but probably number two. I just don't see him getting no. taken out of the the two hole. I don't think anyone's going to be able, judges 27 bombs. I think this year. Yeah. He just had a, he had a game winning hit tonight. Like judge. I don't just, know if he's a finalist right now, Rafi. I mean, I don't know if he's going to, I don't know either ahead of Alvarez or Jose Ramirez. You think he's right. Okay. So, all right, we'll say, let's say top five. Just, to, yeah, I'd give him top five. Just, to I, I would say that. Sure, sure. Yep. Um, he's leading the league in doubles though, or at least last I checked and the, the home runs are, are ticking upwards. So that, that's why I, I probably put him uh, maybe a little bit higher than I should have. But um, but I just don't see Devers coming out of the two-hole. I think two, three, and four are just – I think that's untouchable as far as Cora goes. So maybe, maybe Mancini goes into the five-hole. Doogie gets dropped down to seven. I don't know how that works righty-lefty, no. though. Um that- I, I I don't I don't like it. I I think I've always said Devers should be the three hole hitter for this team anyway. I think so too. I just I, don't think they'll do it. I don't understand the make your best hitter hit second thing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you rather have two runners on base instead of one? Exactly. It seems like simple. It's like in basketball, it's like three points is worth more than two. That's why more guys are shooting threes than they were in the nineties. It right. seems like simple math, but. It, I, I think the perfect Sox lineup, like in the middle, would be Story, Devers, JD, Bogey, and then Verdugo. 
Or Mancini. Or if we're putting Mancini in there, it would be Mancini slotting in there. Yeah. 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 I mean, for some reason, though, the two hole is just where it's at. I mean, uh, Judge, I think, bats second. Mike Trout bats second. So uh, there there are some. I did see the, the, the analytics a while ago on why that's the case. And I, I don't think I agreed with it. But I just think. If you're adding Trey Mancini to what we have now, that's explosive. I would I would love that. And I've always been a fan. I was kind of hoping he would uh go further in last year's home run derby. Um that but you know, it didn't happen. Did Otani win that? No, he didn't. He got knocked out early. Who no, it was Alonzo. Alonzo won back to back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he went nuts. He was just a machine mm-hmm. that whole night. He was bobbing his head to it. He was just in this unbelievable rhythm. I remember now. All right. So here's mine. It's going to take some prospects uh, to do this, but it's been mentioned in our war room before, and not recently, but uh, I think over the winter. What about Brian Reynolds from the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah. See, he's got a lot of control left, which is why the, the the trade package would be big. He's not a free agent until uh, twenty twenty six, so you'd have him for the remaining few months of this season, and then twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. So you, you'd have him for three more years after this. He's twenty seven years old. He's in his prime. He's is having a little bit of an off year, so I don't know if that helps as far as. Um, maybe you, you, you can save a prospect, uh, you know, he's only hitting, you know, 259 with a 333 on base, 11 home runs, only 22 ribbies, but let's face it, Pittsburgh, not a lot of guys are going to be on base in front of him last year. This is interesting. He had eight triples last year. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, uh, it, probably one of the best years of his career. Let's see. Yeah, definitely. He hit 302 with a 390 on base, um, 24 home runs, the most of his career by far, 90 ribbies. And um, he 2020, I mean, but that was his worst season, but a lot of guys were bad that year. I just think he's a guy that you could plug out in right field, you know who your right fielder is going to be for the next four years. You got Verdugo for, I think, another two or three. So he's out there. Who knows with Kike? Maybe they bring him back. Maybe they don't. He'll be a free agent. But outfield, there's just no depth in this organization as far as top-end outfielders. So that's my number one area that I want to target right now. And... And as far as Pittsburgh goes, he doesn't fit their rebuild. Maybe, maybe three years from now, maybe that might be their first wild card run. Maybe if they're lucky, I, he just doesn't fit. There's no reason for for Pittsburgh to to want to keep him. Maybe his stock is a little bit lower this year. Maybe it'll be higher next year, and they'll they'll try that, but. He's a right-handed bat, which we, we – well, he's actually a switch hitter, but 
you know, I, I think mostly a righty. And that's what I would do. Charlie, you're dying. Uh -huh. I absolutely disagree. I think that Reynolds is is, is just a huge part of the Pirates' rebuild. This kid's 26, I agree. 27. There's no way they're going to move on from Reynolds. Not when he's only getting $6.5 million this year, $6.5 million next year, two more years of arbitration eligibility before they could potentially flush his career down the toilet and make him lock up a, a huge deal. The Pirates have arguably the best shortstop prospect in baseball and i'm so high on o'neill cruz he's so cool he's, oh man is he dude, cool there's a video that i sent to the group he is running around the bases bases clearing double and he's got the biggest grin <laughs> on his face when he gets thrown out at third base he doesn't even care mm -hmm. he is just what the pirates need and he's what the pirates want this is the future of the team in less than three years I will be shocked if the Pirates aren't winning a minimum of 90 games. They have a great um, – I, I don't know how to say his first name. I think it's Ronsi. Is it Contreras? Yeah, Contreras, yeah. Insane. Mm -hmm. Will be a star in the making. They have so many players coming through the pipe. Um, they, you know, The Pirates were, were getting a, a lot of flack because they promoted one prospect. Two days later, O'Neill Cruz got promoted because they're saying it was for development. No one bought that BS. It was clearly so they could prevent Super 2 status from occurring and giving uh, you know the team one extra year of uh, control as far as arbitration goes. I think Pittsburgh could be the real deal in the Central, challenging the Cardinals, challenging the Brewers. I think it very well could be a three-headed monster, maybe a two-headed monster, because St. Louis is getting kind of old. Wainwright's not going to get it done anymore. Flaherty, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy. I have no idea what's going to happen with Arenado and Goldie. Um, Pittsburgh is super young. They got, they cleared house, got rid of a lot of, a lot of the older names. I'm super excited for Pittsburgh in the future. I think it could be Milwaukee, Pittsburgh in a couple years, one, two for the four, like a four five year run. I wouldn't be shocked mm -hmm. if the Pittsburgh pirates won the division in two years. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, minimum wild card. I just don't good. think they have the pitching right now. That's Not yet, but you can buy it. You can add yeah. that. You can add pitching one year deals here and there. They're they're a small market team. I just I think they're at least three or four out. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Pirates did extend him and, and perhaps wouldn't want to move on from him. But I just don't I just can't see them dropping a a huge contract. I mean, he's gonna be nine figures, I would say, Reynolds. Probably he might. Yeah. He might. The, they have the one of the best catching prospects too. Like once mm -hmm. Henry Davis shows up too, like Pittsburgh is going to look disgusting. They um they have another guy in the farm. I gotta find his name. I like Swaggerty. I love his name. There's another guy in their um in their farm that's just a stud. And when he comes up in like three years, O'Neill's going to be seasoned. Contreras is going to be great. They have a another guy. Um, is it? Sutsugo, how do you say his name? Yeah, uh, Yoshi Sutsugo. Sutsugo could be a stud too. Like their team has so many different pieces that it's just it's like the Tampa Bay Rays of the National League Central. Nobody knows some of these guys that are getting like peanuts, and they're mm -hmm. gonna be stars. It was like when Starling Marte and Josh Bell were there; they were getting paid nothing, mm -hmm. nothing, and they were great. And then we had some incidents happen. We all know what happened, Marte. 
Bell went to Washington, kind of reinvented himself as like a singles doubles guy who can still get some pop. They have the pieces. If Josh Bell never left, oh my God. I didn't even mention Cabrian Hayes. Cabrian Hayes too. I mean, he needs to stay healthy. That's his problem because, you know, last year he kind of floundered. The year before that was Mm -hmm. great. But if Cabrian Hayes can get healthy too, that's another huge piece over at third base that can get work done. You know, this team is not ugly. I really like this team for the future. You know, we'll see. I mean, Ben Sherrington, you know, built the Red Sox farm system for most of the Epstein years. And, you know, then, of course, became the general manager. Andrew likes to bag on the apparently the 2013 draft was terrible. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of our top uh, draftees just really fizzled. But mm-hmm. I think if you dangle like a, a Blaze Jordan, um, I don't that kid in double a right now i can't even pronounce his name yet that Rafaela kid just oh yeah launching him but i mean he's a guy that i, I think ben sherrington would like unfortunately we don't really have a, a lot of high-end pitchers i mean we're definitely at bellows in our untouchable category i think uh, nick york tristan casas are as well but you know maybe a blaze jordan um, I don't know if Josh Winkowski would uh, excite them at all, but I think I would just love to see a, a long-term guy in the Red Sox outfield. And it's it's a tough market for it right now, though. I mean, I'm I've got the the top. Let's see, what is this? The top twenty-five, and most of the guys in there are on teams that are that are competing. When you look down. You got to get Reynolds is is number eleventh, uh, you know, right now in in all of uh, MLB outfielders, and then you've got Tommy Pham, who you know that would be a very polarizing choice. I mean, I would do it, I guess, if I had to, but he's certainly not one that I would prefer. And then you got to go all the way down to Andrew Benintendi. And I just don't think the Red Sox would go there. I I love Brian Reynolds. I think he's an absolute stud. I loved him at Vanderbilt. My dad's a big Giants fan, and when the Giants drafted him, he was so happy. Like, I think the guy's an absolute stud. You better be willing to trade Marcelo Meyer. That's what it's going to take. <sighs> no, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not either. It. But that's the type of that's the type of player it's going to take. Also, never ever mentioned Blaze Jordan playing for any team other than the Red Sox. I need <laughs> to see that man in Red Sox. I just I yeah. picked this up in Cooperstown the other day is uh we, we got his minor league card here, his GC oh, Red great. Sox card. Nice, nice. Um but uh I yeah it, it's gonna take Marcel Meyer. It's gonna take you you just Maybe got not. so excited about Blaze Jordan though. What if what if Sherrington? I know. I, know. It's, uh, I, 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 I don't. I don't um, think Myers just untouchable, and I, I think any team would would uh, know that. Yeah, but when that's that's the going price for a twenty seven year old outfielder with great legs that plays great defense and can hit three hundred. I mean, that's a switch hitter like. He's everything every team could ever possibly want. So they're going to have a big asking price. It would be Meyer and then probably um, not Bayo. Who's the other one that's hurt right now? Or he just came. I think he just came back. Um, Mata? Yeah, Brian Mata. Okay. Uh, it, would pro- it would probably take Meyer and Mata. And then, 
you know, maybe like a Winkowski or you're, you're going to be giving up three really solid pieces. One of them being a great piece. I and I don't, and want, I'm not willing to do that. I think they want to play as Jordan. Um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I need to see I, it's going to be, it's going to be a haul. I, I, I don't, I personally don't think it, Meyer would be in a deal like that, but um, it's, it would be a painful trade. I think the last painful one we did was what Kimbrell and it didn't turn out to end up being that consequential, but at the time it was a, seemed like a big haul. Um, yeah. The, the only other thing here is you know, we're looking at bottom dwellers that are just going to be sellers, you know, conceivably. And let me, uh, yeah, let's pull up the standings right now. I mean, Let's just go through the divisions. The only possible seller in the East is probably Baltimore, and you're you're talking about Mancini. I, I don't think I don't think the Mullins type players on that team are going to be moved because I really no. don't think they're too far. I think they're closer than Pittsburgh is really, especially if that Grayson Rodriguez guy you know comes up and makes his debut. But so you got one team in the in the AL East. You got two teams in the Central, Detroit and Kansas City. They'll be sellers. I don't know if Seattle's ready to think that they're sellers at 32 and 39. I mean, they probably should. If anything, they'll buy. I think Seattle will buy. Yeah, I I think so, too. That team's better than the way they've been playing. And I think DePoto is under a little bit of pressure as well. So, so probably buyers. Oakland, you know, has a couple of guys they can move, you know, Murphy for one and uh, Montas if they really want to. So you've got five teams in the American League that are looking like sellers. Then you go to the National League, perhaps. Well, I don't think Miami, they're four games under 500, so not necessarily sellers. So the only seller in the National League East would be the Washington Nationals. They're 22 games under 500. Any of the central teams uh, outside of Milwaukee and St. Louis are going to be sellers. You know, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Cincinnati, all sellers. And then, of course, in the West, you got Arizona and Colorado should be sellers, but they never are. And then they go sign Chris Bryant because that makes perfect sense. Um, So not a lot of bottom dwellers. So what I'm getting at here is... Maybe you just find another team that's competing that has a pressing need that might be able to fill your need. I don't know who that would be. You know, probably a team that has an abundance of relievers. And then what would we give up? I I, I thought of this trade earlier. Call me crazy, but hear me out. You're psycho. Raphael Devers. For the entire New York stop. Yankees bullpen, just no, no, stop. Every everybody <laughs> in the Yankees bullpen, even Chapman, every single one, even Chapman. Well, he's you get you know, DFA him right when he gets here. He, he still throws hard. It's okay. Like it, I don't like the guy, but hey, but you get like thirteen guys back, and you can just replace ninety percent of the Red Sox bullpen. Throw some of them in the minors. We don't need Michael King up right now. He's a depth piece now. Um, so. Just hey, hey, call me crazy, but could work. Could could work. Then he called Blaze Jordan. 
He's going to Pittsburgh, though. It's out of control. He's going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, here we go. Um, This is getting out of control. So I don't – Bloom's going to have to work some magic, and it's tough to know which direction he's really thinking he needs to go because he might be thinking Frank German's coming up and he's going to be the the high-leverage – reliever that that we're thinking about acquiring from another team and i don't think we're looking at starting pitchers i think we can rule that out i mean we've got an abundance of that so i don't know i it's tough to really know what if what if the red sox don't make a splash at all i mean that's not out of the realm of possibility i'm used to it (laughs) Oh, I forgot to bring up one key point. It's uh it's just circumstantial. We did one time not too long ago trade for a stud outfielder from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jason Bay. Jason Bay? Jason yeah, Bay. Like- don't He's go that far back. That is so long ago. Also, Jason Bay was a one-hit wonder. 14 years ago. Yeah, flash in the pan. Then he went to the Mets and just completely fell apart. Yeah. They, they bought out his contract because he was so bad. I was like, there's no way he's talking about Bay. Um, there's no way. Yeah, it was. he was the he was the outfielder. And Manny had the best season of his career that year, albeit roided up. And But Bay yeah, came in and – yeah. He fell apart. He, I don't even think he had the same number of home runs when he went there. I think he honestly had probably close to the same amount because they bought out his contract like three years after he left. I, he had one fantastic year in Boston, and off Jason Bay went. When Bay left, what was the package? Because it wasn't – please tell me. it was. A, I'm pretty sure it was a trade. No, he was a free agent when he went to the Mets. Oh, God, I can't believe we let him go then because yeah. when – what was the deal? We got Bay. It was he left after the Manny trade, right? He was in the Manny trade. It was a three-way trade. So, so we got him for okay. the last part of 2008 and then all of mm-hmm. of 2009. Let's just pull up his numbers real yeah. quick. I've got the trade here. It was a three, I just pulled it up cuz I couldn't remember it. Three I, team I remember, deal. Right, right. We lost relievers. Oh, and Brandon Moss. Yeah, and Brandon Moss. Yeah, we lost All we Craig got Hansen. Was Bay? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh and that's the thing was with with Moss, when Moss came over, he really didn't he really didn't do anything until Oakland, and that was like five years later. He yeah. had like three crazy years, and then he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Just off into the sunset. But he didn't do nearly, you know, he spent a decent amount of time in Boston and and just it it never really materialized and Hanson, I don't really remember him ever being relevant. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. He was great in AAA, but he looked like a hot mess. This is unbelievable to me. Um, when Bay got here in you know on July 31st, he was he was okay for the rest of 2008. Hit nine dingers with the Sox, 37 ribbies. 293 batting average with a 370 on base, but he was just off the charts 
2009, 36 bombs. That's a lot for 2009. 36 bombs, 119 ribbies. He hit 267, but his OBP was almost 120 points higher at 384. And then they didn't sign him. And I heard one of the sticking points on why the Red Sox didn't bring him back was there were concerns about one of his knees and he didn't want to get surgery on it. Apparently they could have cleaned it up over the winter. He didn't want to do it. I don't know if that was the, the major sticking point, but it was something they wanted him to do. They didn't bring him back, but that's unbelievable after a year like that for someone that was only going to get a a three-year deal. Um, It was his best year. It was like a four. mm -hmm. He left. I couldn't remember if he left um, or if he got traded, but it was like a four. It was four-year deal because he left before it was over. And it was 60, like, I think it was like the Evaldi contract. It was like 464, something like that. It was pretty, pretty low. Mm -hmm. But in relation to what it was in 09, it was pretty damn good. Because Bay had his best statistical year as a member of the Red Sox. I don't think he had more than 36 home runs. I don't think he had more than 100. Was it how many RBIs did he get? He's over 110. Yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb for for Jason Bay. I don't. I don't think he came close to that ever again. In yeah, in three years with the Mets, he had 26 home runs and 124 RBIs. Yeah, thank you. So less like than I that said, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, he he did not cut it in New York, but. I mean, the Jason Bay going to New York, it, it's, it's a, a double possibility of the stadium just wasn't good for him. It wasn't. I don't think it was a hitter's park. I think it was a pitcher's park, if I'm not mistaken, Old Chase Stadium. And uh, I, I believe that was City still. That was, was City? City at the time. And okay. it still, still wasn't a hitter's park by any means. They moved the right. fences in a few years ago. But at that time, it was very much a pitcher's park. I mean, do you guys remember Adrian Beltre? Adrian Belcher went to Seattle, yeah. hit eight, eight homers, 40 RBIs, as a member of the Mariners, left, went to Boston, found Jesus, and then signed <laughs> a ridiculous deal with Texas, and he played in another eight years. And um, that was one of the questions that I um, – or, or actually an article that I had written was, you know, what what if we never, you know, let Adrian Beltre go? Who would we have gotten? Or like, what did Martinez, we get? Same year. With what? Victor Martinez as well was that same year, 2010. They were both on the Red Sox for that one year. But do you think that Victor Martinez had the same impact that Beltre did? Because I don't. Victor I had think a really good year, if I remember correctly. He had, he a, had good a good year, career but... after that, but there just wouldn't have been any place to put him because you still had Poppy for quite a while. And... Yeah, Right. I think Beltre had, I, I, and I don't remember the numbers, but Beltre hit like 330, I think. He had 27 homers, 100 RBIs. Like He did really, really well. I don't think Victor had 25 homers. I don't think he had 100 RBIs. I don't think he had 300. Yeah, I could uh, be wrong. Beltre hit 321 with 28 and 102. Yep, because it was uh, it was a it was like an absolute finding of Jesus after the Seattle year because he he slashed 844. Mm-hmm. Because my dad said, "Oh, we got this guy who can't really hit." I was like, "Oh no, 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 he can hit." And if, if he's like, if he's mashing it, it's going to be bad for opposing. Just don't touch his head. He doesn't like when people touch his head. Like I remember that, like people were telling, there were some funny stories because he was a banger when he played in LA, like Mm -hmm. absolute beast. And then he went to Seattle. Seattle wasn't a a hitter's park. They just couldn't figure it out. Uh, Oh, five to. Oh, that was Safeco, right? Back in the. 
yeah, five. It was I think still safe though then. Yeah, because yeah. Kingdom was a uh, ninety-seven or before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they blew that one up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even know now. Now it's not called Safeco anymore. It's something else. No, I think it's T-Mobile Park. Yeah, T-Mobile Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he had one year, just found Jesus, and that was it. Jason Bay found Jesus in Balt uh, in Boston, got paid, and disappeared. Victor, by the way, uh, hit three hundred two with twenty home runs and seventy nine RBIs. I was right on two out of three. I didn't think he had 300. I didn't think he came yeah. close. I thought he was like 270. So I was way wrong on that he one. He was Whoops. sharing time with uh, Veritech too. That was hot. Yeah, he was still catching at that point. That was like the craziest catching tandem of all time. <laughs> like to have those two guys as your catchers. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the one consequence uh of having Beltray was he ran over Ellsbury like a Mack truck and ended his season in like the <laughs> second or third week of the year. That could have cost us oh, the playoffs. I, I forgot remember about that. that. Yeah. yeah. Mowed him down. They were both going for a fly ball and we missed was... the playoffs by a couple games. You have Ellsbury in there. I think you, you get in, but um, just Darnell McDonald, everyday center fielder for the Red Sox that year. And then you also had a lot of Jeremy Hermita, if you remember him. Yeah, Jeremy Hermita. Yeah. Everybody, see, that was the unbelievable thing about the Francona era because Pedroia was out for like half the season with a foot injury. So was Veritech. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reason we, we got uh, Martinez, Victor Martinez, because Veritech had a foot injury. Beckett was having back injuries, missed a lot of time. Um mm-hmm. I think we had one other pitcher. That, that, that was one of the Buckles years, though. That was one of the was, every other Clay Buckles is good and then terrible. Yeah. Um, that was one of the good years. He went, uh, I've got it right here. Yeah. We went 17 and 7 with a 2 3 ERA. And he probably pitched the most innings that year of any year of his career, too, I bet. Yeah, it, I believe so. It was 173, uh, second most. 2012, he had 189. Oh, he had more. Yeah. Bobby yeah. Valentine probably wouldn't let him go on the DL. Yeah, probably not. But uh, yeah, I so that's just crazy. But but I it's funny. I brought up the Jason Bay trade, and we we just went on this long freestyle here. Um, so I just want to point out there is a precedence of brilliance, you know, with uh, trading uh, with Pittsburgh. I don't think uh, the Astros hated Garrett Cole either. That's a different animal, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna touch he's that. He's such one. a diva. Yeah, Kermit. Uh, all right. You know what? I probably had a couple other things we could go over, but we're uh, we're way over our 30 minute target time, 50 minute show. So uh, we'll wrap it there, Mark. It was great to have you. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll have you again, and um, We'll uh, got an interesting weekend uh, starting tonight with uh, Cleveland. So mm-hmm. hopefully Francona's uh, bag of tricks won't, uh, you know, come back to hurt us. I'm, yeah. I'm still mad that he sent Mike Napoli to steal on David Price in game two of the LDS. <laughs> That's like the ultimate middle finger. David Price oh, is yeah. a lefty. He's looking right out for his base and Napoli <laughs> takes off. That's because you know Francona. I think I said this on the last show, but you know Francona's like has a pep talk with the boys before we go to play Boston. And we like guys, you know who we're playing, right? Mm-hmm. You you know what this organization did to me and said about me. Okay, let's let's at least once or twice pull their pants to the ground here. 
And uh, anyway, so anyway, I'm supposed to be wrapping it up. So everyone, we will be back on Sunday night to talk about what did happen against Cleveland. Everyone have a great weekend. Take care.